Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. And today it is 8:58 a.m. Yes, a.m. <laughs> Back on the morning routine. So yesterday on my YouTube, I went ahead and finally did what I said I was going to do and started to reconfigure my calendar, my schedule based on my time boxing and my um my uh, prior priorities for my goals and whatnot, and uh, that was definitely a fun little exercise. So go check that video out if you're interested, and um, let's get back to that experiment. See how long this this you know <laughs> lasts, and see how we can keep this going. I really feel better with the having a kind of set schedule for things that I want to do. Again, the whole purpose of it is to not necessarily to kind of fit my life into specific boxes, but instead to carve out time for things that I really want to do. Because um, if you don't carve out time for yourself and for things that you want to do, it gets filled up by other things, by quote-unquote emergencies or other, you know, um, reactions and, you know, um, this crow is just crazy. Like, it's all the way at the top of the, the, the tree, all the way at the tippy top. Just making some noise. This is hilarious. <laughs> kind of wish I could talk to them things because they're, they're so smart. Like, I'm not sure if I, I think I said this before, but it's cool that they recently found out that they have a concept of zero, or at least they can be taught the concept of zero, which is very, very interesting. But anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, look, I distracted myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you when you set your own schedule, right? When you, when you time box um, your day, you give yourself the space to work on things that you really want to work on. When you, when you actually consciously take the time to think about what you want to do, right? It allows your mind, it allows your, your body, your existence or whatever to, <laughs> you know, become aware of what your actual priorities are. Rather than blindly reacting to everything in the environment, you react more to your own environment, to your own um, ideas of, of what you want to get done in life, what you want to experience and things like that. Uh, going back to what I was saying before in the last episode, you know, you kind of become more aware of, you know, a different part of the environment. And um, thus your momentum, you know, everything kind of flows more towards that way. You can become more in flow. Um, it, this is another interesting thing. It's like the more I think about this idea of consciousness being, you know, um, the important thing here and free will kind of being an illusion, um, it's it's so interesting because like everything, a lot of what we do in our lives kind of subconsciously refers back to that, right? Like the idea of getting in flow. The idea of getting in flow is that you don't really have to think about what you're going to do next, right? Your body reacts, your 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 consciousness just reacts, right? You have this muscle memory of what you need to do and what you want to do. Um, and, and you just let your body react to it. When you kind of take yourself out of the equation and you let yourself <laughs> automatically respond in the in the correct way or in the in the way that you have trained yourself to do, um, you can be more productive you can be more effective you can be more engaged in, in a way as well right the the conscious mind the ability to become self-aware and to question yourself and to you know think that you have free will is actually a, a barrier oftentimes right to being super productive to being super not just productive but to enjoying the moment the the moment the 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 life of moment-to-moment, -moment, you know, experiences, um, which is very interesting to, to to see. Goodness, like, is that necessary? These folks with the loud-ass music, <laughs> but um, which way am I going today? This way. But yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's just so fascinating to see, right? And to to have that idea. That we need to just kind of be get out of our own way. <laughs> it's really good and really cool to have to think into the future and to you know um, try and and to engage in this illusion of free will. 
But at the same time, we have to admit that it often causes us to hesitate, causes us to second guess our, you know, instincts. And um, oftentimes, you know, when when your instincts, your, your instincts might be right, right? It might also be wrong. But what determines whether it's right or wrong is not necessarily, you know, how much you thought about the situation, but more about how much you know about the situation, right? What you've become aware of in the environment, like what what the risk factors are and what the um, what the opportunities are, right? All that stuff you, you, you can't know by simply thinking about it. You can't know by simply thinking that you have a choice or <laughs> in the situation. You, you know by going to observe it. Right, becoming more aware of what's out there, and um, that just once again shows the importance of of becoming aware of the environment, becoming aware of of uh, everything around us. But I don't want to beat a dead horse if if people don't really, you know, <laughs> want to engage in this topic. Um, and I feel like I'm repeating myself a bit. But uh, anyways, yesterday I. Uh, course it got back to doing some work a little bit of work for my futurist job um so that was cool we're getting to a point where our experience is really is really nice like it, it feels you know they, they finally started animating some of it you know adding some effects in there and everything like that so um the immersion factor feels pretty cool um the sense of perspective is pretty nice so i'm very excited about what the client will will say about it he's going to experience it today um so that's that's going to be pretty cool on the other side of it, on or rather my other job, I have to, uh, we're waiting to see, you know, um, what the what that client says about you know our recent iterations, just small stuff, and then it's going to be you know handed to the engineering team so that they can turn it into you know some some uh, actual pages, and that it's going to go live and we're going to uh, test that. They're going to use um, some uh, what do you call it? screen capturing technology to like hot jar and stuff like that to capture what people look at or rather what people click on and things like that and that will give us more more data so that's very interesting waiting on that and so besides that I have to catch up on my ask like a pro you know research class so I'm getting getting into that again um, I, again I, I meant to do that yesterday but I didn't I just started going down the rabbit hole of one of my long, long time passions. Um, oh, actually, no, I didn't get to go down the rabbit hole just yet. Actually, that was near the end of the day. Near the beginning of the day, not the beginning of the day, but near the end of my work week, I guess, or my work day, <laughs> after I got all my actual work done. Um, started watching a lot of YouTube channels and stuff like that around, uh, oh, wait, what's the name? Why am I so terrible with names? Uh, something Laurie. Laurie. <laughs> this is what they say. Laurie. <laughs> and um, McWhorter. John McWhorter. Is it William Laurie? I think William Laurie and John McWhorter. On, uh, is it Talking Heads or Bobbin, Bobbin Heads or something like that? I don't know. But they're, they're two black guys. Um, older gentlemen. Uh, one works at... Uh, one's a professor at Brown, another is a professor at uh, I forgot another school. <laughs> but you know, it, I was watching their channel, watched a couple of their videos, and they were like hour-long videos, so it took a good chunk of my day. But it was worth it because um, they're very interesting, you know, people. Uh, this uh, Laurie dude is is a black conservative, and that is like number one, a black conservative in today's time is very very controversial right a lot of people call these folks you know uncle toms and things like that and, and to be honest with you i get it because unfortunately the the current day conservative party is not really uh you know <laughs> not necessarily logical in, in many ways right it, it, it often is co-opted by neoconservatism by this idea of you know white supremacy and be honest with you you know that's why it's uh, a lot of black people look at that and just like what in the world are you doing however the truth also is that the ideals of conservatism you know separate from Christian you know white uh, you know family or whatever uh, besides uh, outside of that 
the actual conservatism I think actually makes a lot of sense and is um and I think is a decent you know idea and is a kind of worthwhile uh position to take and here's why because conservatism is simply about <laughs> conserving you know traditional ideas and traditional ideas are not necessarily always bad they can be right especially in america where a lot of the traditional ideas can um have been kind of racist <laughs> and sexist and you know patriarchal and all this other stuff it's definitely true um however there's also a lot of conservative ideas that have been very good that have been very like cornerstones of civilization or at least our society for a long time and i always i think i might have mentioned this before too i talk talk about so much on this podcast but in my eyes the best conservatism is to pay attention to old cultures and and take from take what works from old cultures right and so to me if you really want to be conservative you should be looking at you know um, history. You should be looking at not just American values, but you know the, what predates America, like what came before us. You know the Native Americans, the Greeks, the Romans, the the ancient Africans, the ancient you know Chinese, and all these other people. Like take their traditions. <laughs> Granted, I know a lot of conservatism is more about quote unquote American culture, whatever that is, right? Um, and kind of valuing that, putting that on a pedestal almost. But uh, in my eyes, like the idea of conservatism being, you know, appealing to tradition, it kind of makes sense. And the value to me is in, you know, valuing other cultures, valuing any culture that has a long standing tradition and seeing why it has lasted so long and how we can, you know, bring that longevity into our own society into our own culture so from that aspect i do respect it and do value it and i do think it's important but unfortunately it's not really done like that uh today but um i'm not sure exactly what his you know belief system is per se but they had some great conversations um mcwater is a you know liberal but he is (laughs) standing up very very um strongly against this new kind of wave of wokeism of of the woke culture and cancel culture and stuff like that and this i definitely understand and here's why and i've I've said this and i'm not sure if i said this on a podcast but i've said this in other places before and, and it's like the in my eyes growing up the left and the right is not too different in the in the space of uh racism right whereas the right you know oftentimes is racist kind of overtly right um at least in today's kind of modern society you know a lot of the conservative or republican you know parties like basically doesn't want to seems like they don't want to give you know actual help or or admit you know the difficulties of of colored folks and i say colored as in any people of color not just black folks but you know any people of color in america right and and see they they see they they tend to see minorities or you know um what do you call it immigrants as the enemy in a way which is very concerning <laughs> i know it's not as clear cut as that you can get into the nuances of you know it's actually about kind of retaining this idea of um, laissez-faire approach, retaining this idea of a um, kind of hands-off, no government uh, handouts type of thing, which to some extent I agree with because I I think government control in in general is is just not good. But um, the Republican Party is more focused on, you know, how can we have less government and less oversight and things like that? Which, and and the big picture, I agree with, <laughs> actually. And we'll get to that later. But um, how it's usually implemented, you know, in today's society is, is more like, you know, <laughs> uh, the ruling class or, which, which to say that means like wealthy folks um, can basically get away with whatever they want. 
and <laughs> you have no regulations, no, you know, uh, things in place to to stop them from, you know, abusing the system or abusing people or things like that. And unfortunately, that's how it's kind of that's how it's often done in our society in America, um, which to me is kind of defeats the purpose of of traditional values or whatever. If you're just going to uh, care about the ruling class. And this is why it's it's so hilarious when you see, you know, um, kind of lower class um, white folks just clamor to the ideas of democracy. I'm sorry, to the ideas of of the Republican Party of like Trump and stuff like Trumpism because that's like antithetical to the working class people, right? <laughs> the the wealthy folks don't really care, you know, what color you are. They care about the money. Right? And and how can they um extort more? <laughs> how can they attain more wealth, you know? And it's usually off the backs of the working class and it usually doesn't really care about your quality of life. That's just the truth of it. Again, you can get into the further nuances with that, but that's how I kind of see it so far. But anyways, um, I wish I brought some water. Um, what was I? What was I? Oh, yes. Mick Water talking about wokeism or the woke kind of ideas. And uh, where I was going with that is that also on the left, this idea of neoliberal neoliberalism. <laughs> Excuse my language here. This is going to be very, you know, provocative. But I call I'll call these folks the White Knights with the KKK, <laughs> the White Knights with three Ks. And the reason is because very often, you know, these so-called liberal folks kind of have this what's what, what's the term um, patronizing view of black people or of minorities. Right, where they where they kind of have this idea of they are still they're they're here they're gonna give you pity and they're gonna you know <laughs> uh, give out a helping hand because you need it and you know because you you can't do for yourself or all this other you know types of views is kind of it's a inherently arrogant kind of stance right and I don't mean to say that in in a stance of they think they're better than us more like. They kind of have this idea of, oh, you have to kind of put uh, the kitty gloves on when you're, you know, helping, you know, black folks. Or you, you kind of have to, you know, um, go down to their level, right? It's, 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 it's a more, in, in my eyes, it's, it's kind of, it's almost a more insidious approach, right? Because it has an assumption that, you know, black people or minorities kind of need your help, Right? Because they can't do it themselves. When in actuality, the problem is not that they need your help per se, or we need your help. The problem is that you need to get out the way, <laughs> right? I just got to be honest with you here, right? Uh, a lot of times, many of our systems, you know, in Africa and many the natives, for instance, a lot of these places, they didn't just fall apart. It's not like we, you know, suddenly like like it's not like we couldn't figure out how to create a society on our own it's not like we couldn't you know bootstrap our ways if you will you know from nothing and, and to creating a society or anything like that the fact of the matter is colonialism completely destroyed our way of life colonialism colonialism completely destroyed indigenous you know societies and, and their way of life and their environment and everything like that and so what you're actually seeing today is not the the culmination of centuries or thousands of years of progress Right. And it's not it's not that indigenous societies can't, you know, create toilets or whatever or can't um, create functioning economies by themselves. It's that colonialism destroyed everything. And so we're kind of stuck trying to pick up the straps, pick up the scraps and try to, you know, build kind of rebuild what we had while at the same time still being exploited. Right. Even in America, a lot of black people are still being exploited. A lot of minorities are still being exploited to this day. So it's not like you have to, you know, um, help out because, you know, we need your help per se. It's, it's more like you just need to get out the way, you know, allow people to do them, do, do what they do, do what they do best. Right. And that's the problem I see with with woke culture. 
is this idea that like the problem of anti of white fragility and and you know kind of just you have this white savior complex and this is something you see even in our media right where you <laughs> you have you know some some uh, oftentimes i'm not i'm not even sure if i should get into that but you just kind of see this subtext in our media like for instance in game of thrones with Daenerys um kind of freeing the chains of you know uh the people in the south and it was just such a disgusting kind of view where you had Daenerys kind of being taken up as the mother of dragons, as the mother of, you know, a breaker of chains. And don't get me wrong, it was cool storytelling and stuff like that. But the subtext behind it, it just made me cringe so hard because you see that white saber complex, right? With his white ladies being lifted up by all these colored hands, <laughs> you know, kind of thanking her for, for, for helping them. And it, it, to me, it just kind of kind of reeks of that you know that again that savior complex and that idea that minorities and people of color or whatever need need the help of these these white folks need their pity and things like that right I, we're all humans like we're all on the same level we don't there's no the, the main problem with our society is not that you know a certain certain people you know need more help than other folks it's more that there's oppression right a certain people oppress others and so it's really difficult for the other group to get to get um to become self-sustainable right to have a sense of empowerment and to have their own kind of uh, way of doing things right the, 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 that's the problem of, of of modern society and a lot of world culture kind of goes into this idea of um privilege i, I think I sp i'm pretty sure i spoke on this too before it's like privilege is not oh whites you know have this and that and the other and blacks do not it's everybody has privilege right the question is what does your privilege afford you right me my, my privilege as a black person in america right now and in, in a number of different intersectionalities is that you know it might be something minor like i could say the n-word i could say nigga and nobody really cares too much right <laughs> i can even say nigger <laughs> and people are like okay he's you know just kind of doing a thing right it's it doesn't really matter as much whereas if i was white and saying that people like oh what, what you racist right that's that's kind of my privilege right now and that's not necessarily good or bad per se it's just it's just how society works right now right now the the bad of it comes in when you have a privilege of say for instance when i'm putting down my resume and if i have a black sounding name my name is elijah but it's not really not necessarily a black sounding name if my name was like quantavius or something people would be like oh what is, <laughs> you know what is that and it doesn't even have to like some people will see it as something a name is quantavius right and it will see that as ghetto as as you know kind of country or whatever right uneducated type of thing that's the problem that's the privilege right that's the that's the bad side of the privilege where a certain thing can be discriminated against simply because of what it is right where you where you where you apply some your own ethnocentric views on somebody else's life and because of that you have some power or you have some advantage you know because of that that's the real kind of problems of privilege it's not that you know you're white and therefore you're privileged everybody with this black privilege white privilege indian you know asian everybody has their own kind of privilege the the, the the, the problem here is that our system is kind of biased towards a single or a kind of a, a certain types of privilege. And so if you want to create a better system, you're not going to create that by, by canceling people who say dumb things or, or you know, appealing to some idea of white fragility. That's not going to solve the problem. If anything, that's going to make the problem worse. And I really like, you know, what, you know, McWhorter and um, and um, Laurie said about this. They were saying that when you what you're doing here is a, is appealing to people's race. You're actually making people think about race more, which is a serious problem because race itself is a made up construct. It's not even a real thing. This is the huge. This is another one of the biggest problems of our society is that we, we really, for some reason, have have bought and sold this idea of race. This idea that I'm black, you're white, and whatever. There's no such thing, all right? 
the idea of race was literally created by by supremacist pseudoscientists right where they studied these <laughs> these skulls and they said oh you know people with black skin have a smaller head smaller skull and therefore a smaller brain therefore blah 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 loud cars and um the idea of race was literally created to support supremacy to support this idea of ethnocentrism of the european you know elites being the best and everybody else kind of being a hierarchical structure below them that's the that's what race is there is no such thing as race there's no scientific idea of race and the fact that we put that in almost every facet of our culture in America and much of the world is a complete disgrace. So if you're, if you're trying to solve racism, you're not going to solve it by making people, by, by saying blacks and whites, by white fragility and here's the, the white you know, agenda or whatever. They're, they're, that's not a concept. That's not a real thing. You're just making up a concept and by attacking people with this concept by bludgeoning them in the head with this idea that you're white therefore you're privileged and for you people are just going to get defensive right when you attack somebody you, they get defensive that's the human nature and because of that they're going to cling closer to this made up idea of race and you're just going to have more problems this is why you have the backlash of of, of um of neoliberalism and, and this kind of this idea of uh, white, I don't know, white purity or whatever it's called, right? It doesn't even make sense. Because all you're saying is that we should be inbred. <laughs> That's all you're saying. It doesn't really make any sense. You know, before the 16th century, people, uh, people were... People called themselves based on where they were from, their geography, their geography, (laughs) their geography and their nation, you know, their culture, things like that, which didn't really have much to do with your skin color. Yes, there was some xenophobia when you saw somebody of a different skin color because that that was, you know, weird. Right. If you lived around people that look like you, there's going to be somebody that comes along that looks different. You're like, whoa, what in the world? I didn't even know you can have skin color like that. Right. So it's kind of a natural um, natural response, natural reaction. The problem is not that they automatically assumed that this, you know, other person of a different skin color was a, you know, was a monster or something like that. The problem is that you have these nationalistic ideas that our culture, right, people that look like us are the best and everybody else is, you know, not is, is demons or this, that and the other. It's a nationalistic problem not a race problem because race does not exist right you can have the 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 many greeks and romans were of different colors many greeks and romans were from africa or were taught in africa like <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous like the moors for instance people love to bring out the moors in terms of when you get to the sorry these loud cars but yeah people love to talk about the the moors when you in this, in the um, for Afrocentrists, but in reality, the Moors was a culture and existed for thousands of years. And through that time, they had everything from really light-skinned folks to really dark-skinned to you know pale people. It was, it was all sorts of colors. So to to, to call people you know white or black is is so stupid. To appeal to white fragility, to, you know, black, um, I don't know, just, it's just a mess, right? And I definitely understand their worries and their, their plight to kind of stop this, this train of wokeism. Because, yes, there is some, some problems in the space of privilege. There is some problems in the space of, you know, discrimination and things like that. But is divorced from the idea of race. The idea of race simply empowers it, right? So the more you 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 know say this is white, this is black, you know whatever, the more that you uh, stratify racism, the more that you solidify racism, because racism is race. 
if you want to you know solve racism then you have to stop using race and then you're left with other problems like nationalism then you're left with patriarchy then you're left with you know religiousism or whatever (laughs) and each of those can be solved as well right all of it comes from I don't want to say tribalism per se, but I guess you can use that. All of it comes from and this desire to, um, going back to uh, the sailboat model and, and Maslow's hierarchy, even though it's not really a hierarchy, but you know the, the ideas of human needs, all of it goes back to this idea of you know being part of something bigger. So if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, you appeal to religion, you appeal to... Um, geography, you appeal to nationalism, you appeal to this idea of race. How about let's try to encourage more people to appeal to the idea of human race, to the idea of the universe, to the idea of you know the earth, right? Let's let's uh, have people appeal to that that bigger cause, that bigger you know sense of unity. That's what we really have to do. Now, I do also have to say, even though that is my ultimate goal, is there is also much to be said for quote-unquote black people in America and the diaspora around the world to also unify. Right? And here's why. Because all of us that comes from the African diaspora we share a common cause and we share a common oppressor and a common oppression and that is being discriminated against on the basis of our skin color being stereotyped and you know um, radicalized against on the basis of nothing but our skin color range of skin colors really even nowadays this range of f- facial features and stuff like that <laughs> right and so it's important to realize that we have to unify as a made-up people. And we are now a group of people. We are now a community. Not because of, of simply because of our skin color, but because people discriminate against us because of our skin color. Right? Therefore, if we want to you know, create a better society, then we have to become self-sufficient. In order to do that, we have to support each other. We have to show people that, no, we are humans just like you, (laughs) right? We can support each other. We can create our own things. And hopefully by that, you know, that will kind of establish our humanity once again. And unfortunately, that might involve, you know, some violence. That might involve some, some, some fighting for our freedom. Because unfortunately, a lot of, in a lot of places in the world, even to this day, even to this day, it's really difficult for somebody who looks like me to be seen as a human on the same level of, as anybody else in a lot of places for a lot of people because when the neoliberal looks at the black person and assumes that you have to you know lower your standards in order to let them in and assumes you have to you know give them a handout in order to you know let them in that also is a kind of racist idea because you're assuming it not based on what they actually did not based on their actual background you know you didn't really ask them you most people don't really ask you know black people what they're experienced or you know what they're trying to do or you know what, <laughs> what their skills are or you know their aptitude or any of these things you're just assuming based on what they look like and that's the deepest problem here Right, so they they McWhorter and, and Laurie points out how many of these schools and campuses, you know, they have things like critical race theory that they're trying to get in there. You have things like um, like uh, you know, taking away tests and things like that, um, and, and this, that, and the other. There's a lot of things going on in the campus thing. I'm not really aware of because I'm I'm not you know never went to college, but I find a lot of that very disturbing. Now I do agree that you should, we should take away tests, but for a completely different reason than for you know just because you know black people may have a problem with it. It's not because black people have a problem with it. It's because tests themselves 
are heavily biased towards wealthy people <laughs> because tests themselves is a let their car pass because tests themselves <laughs> are often created by companies right that are trying to make a profit and so they make the test in such a way that you need the test materials in order to pass the test and so a poor person has to somehow afford you know not that not only their regular school books and their regular you know things like that and as well as the the problems of poverty but also trying to afford to buy practice materials to buy test taking materials and have some time to do all that that's the problem with tests it's not that black people just can't take tests is that the very fundamental idea of tests is biased towards you know people who can afford to study for the test which defeats the whole purpose of educating people and you know testing for people's uh aptitude aptitude or or for their you know learning apparatus or their learning um, growth so if you really want to make a difference you can't do so by just taking away tests and saying, oh, we're going to do it based on your background or all this stuff. You, 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 you go back to what actually learning education is supposed to be about, which is project-based learning, which is results-oriented, which is looking at, you know, if you put together a project and you have, you know, these people doing a project together, how can you measure the results, right? What is the growth going from, you know, knowing nothing at the beginning of the year to knowing something at the end of the year? How do you measure that? When you can measure that, as well as the results, you have a way better idea of that, that, that student's you know, abilities and skills and aptitude. And from that, you can you know, determine you know, their, you know, whatever your entry criteria is for your institution. And not that we have to lower the standards for black people or for any other you know, person of color or minority or whatever, is that you have to fix the standards. So that they're not biased towards wealth. <laughs> There's a lot of work we have to do in the society. And we can't go around assuming that we're doing the right thing without actually asking the right questions, without actually asking the right people, without actually doing the research into tradition, into psychology, into understanding culture, into understanding people, and so on and so forth. If you just assume you know the answers based on some preconceived notion of race, <laughs> you're just a part of the problem. So yeah, I was watching a lot of those videos and um, it was really interesting to hear, really interesting to, to think about, to, to, to talk about, because these are like thoughts I had, but haven't really talked about it too much, right? It's not really been something in my in my sphere too much because I'm not in campus courses I, I don't really deal with wokeism too much besides you know going on twitter every now and then and like i said before my my twitter feed is pretty much curated <laughs> right i don't really see a whole lot of um cancel culture on my personal feed i have to go you know kind of down the down the line for that i mostly see you know science or technology and business and you know um I do see dumb, I'm I do see like liberal stuff, but it's not like, oh, let's cancel this person or let's, uh, you know, whatever. It's more about let's uh, end capitalism. <laughs> and that goes into, you know, the final thing I was doing yesterday is getting a little bit into one of my favorite uh, um, kind of ideas is anarchism. I've been a fan of anarchy for a very very long time but I've never really delved into the literature and stuff like that which is my part my fault like I really should have <laughs> went into it um, but now I'm finally finding it finding more information about it recently found the anarchy library you know anarchy dot uh, what is it anarchy dot works really cool website um, the primer on anarchy with you know a whole bunch of they basically ask a bunch of questions that people would typically ask against anarchy and answer them be like nope that's not true here's why <laughs> you know and it's it's absolutely amazing this um youtube channel i just found called saint andrewism 
talks a lot about um, anarchy and or different ideas around this space of mutual aid and all this other stuff and it's just uh, amazing absolutely amazing so for those that you know are not aware that are like most people and automatically assume anarchy means chaos or anarchy means you know a mess or whatever allow me to enlighten you <laughs> if you haven't guessed already based on everything I've been saying in my past couple of podcasts and episodes and things like that what I think and what you know a lot of history and science and you know psychology kind of points to in my opinion is that anarchy is the natural state of humans natural state of the world really and for a good reason because it allows the ultimate freedom it allows everybody to you know to live the types of lives they want to live without some other coercive force right forcing them to do this or do that or live this way or live that way right and that is a great thing because it allows the ultimate you know creativity it allows actual innovation <laughs> beyond simply you know what a certain state or a certain you know group of people uh, value and there's so many arguments against anarchy and, and almost all of it comes from propaganda comes from a misunderstanding of what anarchy even is and and really it comes from a misunderstanding of humans right it comes a, from a natural misanthropic idea of humans that has been kind of established through the last couple maybe centuries of capitalism itself right people automatically assume you can't have anarchy because Oh, people are naturally selfish. People are naturally, you know, violent. People are, are naturally this, that, and the other. So you have to have some government system in place. You have to have some laws in place in order to, you know, um, establish order. <laughs> if you've been paying attention, you, you'll know the mistakes and all of that. Because psychology shows that, no, people are not naturally violent or selfish or, you know, any of these things people by and large are very good people are, are good folks you know they're uh, most humans are pretty chill if you will <laughs> right people are just trying to you know live their best life most people don't just randomly do violence or you know are randomly selfish or anything like that most of that is a response to the the fast mill that is scarcity like I've said before, scarcity itself is created. It's created from these market forces, from consumerism. When you have a whole bunch of people hoarding, right, wealth and resources and stuff like that, you're creating an environment of scarcity. And therefore, you're creating an environment where people want to be selfish. Where you're creating an environment where selfishness is rewarded. When in actuality, the natural state of things is such that you don't have a desire to be selfish. You actually have a desire to share. I pointed this out in hunter-gatherer cultures, but for thousands of years, thousands of years, maybe even hundreds of thousands, people in these hunter-gatherer cultures had gift-giving rituals and, and, and um, seasons and, and things like that, where they would regularly, they would regularly share you know, their the natural resources of their 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 extra stuff or, you know, anything they had, they would, you know, give <laughs> gift it around. Like this they, they enjoyed that process. And so you're telling me if, if humans did that for thousands of years and suddenly, you know, <laughs> we became more warlike and, and started taking from each other and, and you know, to seeing selfish things and seeing scarcity as you know, what what do you think is the normal way of doing things? Just look at the logic here. I'm not going to get to it too much right now because I have to go. Got a meeting at 10. But the fact of the matter is that anarchy is definitely the way to go. I'm going to be talking about it a lot more <laughs> in the coming episodes. So uh, hopefully you, you'd like to stick around for that. But suffice to say that we can get a whole lot more from an anarchic you know, society where you have a free borderless society where if you disagree with people in this certain area you can just move 
You can just, you know, easily go to the pickup and go to another area, go to another group. No problems. Like, <laughs> when you try to force people to believe in a certain way in a large amount of area, what you're actually doing is forcing people, is, is applying violence <laughs> in order to get people to follow your specific way of life. And what that does is, number one, it destroys, you know, any sense of cohesion and unity. Right. You, you, we call we think we have a lot of cohesion and unity because we have these giant states. But, you know, that's not the truth. You know, for a fact that a lot of people fundamentally disagree. And the only thing, <laughs> the only reason why, you know, they aren't in their own place is because we don't allow that. Let me pass this uh, lawnmower over here. But yeah, the, like, goodness, there is, there's just so much that goes into this. There's so much. And almost every aspect of our society is kind of a, a sham, a kind of an illusion of, you know, safety and of freedom. And most of us know this. Most of us know that we're not actually free. Like, if you wanted to, you know, tear down your house and build a new one, you know for a fact that you can't. You're going to have so many permits and so many things. And, and we like to think that there's, you know, we have those permits and all that stuff for a reason, right? We have, you know, this to keep order so that people don't do crazy things. But in actuality, it's, it's really because a certain people have the power and most others do not. Right? And if you really wanted to care for the environment and things like that, then you would simply have local systems, you have these hyper-local communities where people can only get things from their local environment. And if they wanted things from afar, you trade for it. Today, most of our luxuries and our things from our imports comes from slave labor. It's a wake-up call to many people in America. Is the fact that we don't get our luxuries because we because capitalism is the best, because you know we are doing things the right way, because we're so advanced. We get most of our luxuries because we're oppressing other people. Because much of our you know, society is built off the back of slave labor, even to this day. You know, most of our computers, you know, most of our rare earth metals, they're, they are literally rare. Where do you think that comes from? And people just, you know, turn a blind eye to it. Just say, oh, that's, you know. And it's easy to turn a blind eye to it because it's not in your face. It's not in your front yard. You don't see it. And so you can very much not believe it. But that's just the facts of the situation. But the, the world that we live in, most of our um, society is built off the back of slave labor to this day. And it's so, so hilarious in a way and, and mostly sad in others is that when you, when you say, hey, you know, Slavery is bad. People are like, yeah, slavery is terrible. Can't believe we've ever done that. And yet we're still using slavery in order to build our entire society. Like the, the disconnect here is just so crazy. The, the delusion is absolutely insane. Just let that sink in. <laughs> So yeah, I'm glad to have found this. And um that's why I'm so excited um to be, you know, making this money I'm finally gonna be making because getting to a point where I can uh start this stuff myself. Start these, you know, anarchic societies myself, start these virtual communes and other communes and things like that. And um actually, you know, show people that you can have this stuff today. And furthermore, I'm excited that there's a lot of people already doing this stuff. You know, look up direct action. Look up mutual aid. You know, look up what I just shared, the Anarchy Library and Anarchy Works. And you're going to see examples of people, you know, showing how you can, you know, live in this, live in an anarchy society today. In a hyper-local um, community and ecosystem to this day. So I'm very excited to get to get working on that. And uh we'll see where this goes.
So as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, rather. Um, anything, I might have to change my whole podcast name. Thoughts of an Anarchist or something. <laughs> Again, the whole reason for calling it Thoughts of a Trillionaire is the early days, before I even knew about you know much of anarchy, or really before I knew the fundamentals of anarchy and all this other stuff, I thought that in order for me to create an anarchic system, right, I thought that I had to become the richest person in the world and purposely like use all that wealth to demolish everything to demolish you know the government and you know all this stuff and pay for you know how these things are going to work pay for um pay to build like entire cities like that was my goal to build super cities where it's it's basically built on anarchic you know ideas where there is no central government there is no central you know systems where the grid is not really a grid it's more of a fractal engine where everybody can do their own thing and you can you know share resources across you know different parts of the community through you know the infrastructure and things like that 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 was my belief system there for a long long time and i thought that was what anarchy you know that was how you created anarchy in modern day society but now that i'm seeing you know reading more about um the roots of anarchy and, and, and modern day anarchy and things like that. I'm learning that you don't have to do that. <laughs> right? I don't have to become a trillionaire in order to, you know, um, kind of rejigger the system. We can do that through much better means, and this, that's very awesome for me. Um, granted, that, that shows you the depths of my naivety, the depths of my, <laughs> my ignorance, you know, when I was younger. But that's why I also kind of wanted to keep the name. I love showing that journey, <laughs> showing you that progress, showing that growth and thinking and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, really have to go. But thanks again for listening and have a great day. Let me know what you think about all these ideas, as always. And see you. Bye bye.